We have read Mark 5, 1 through 20 already, and so I will not do that. But uh, this morning we see that Jesus delivers from demonic forces. And uh, we saw last week that uh, Jesus protects from or in uh, the storms, the dangers of life that, that come against us. He's in that, and uh, he protects us from those things. Someone said he came from heaven and crossed the sea of storms to set us free. And we're going to see that this morning. He came across this stormy sea to de- deliver this maniac, demoniac. And so this is also for us as well. Last week, he calmed the wind and the waves. And, and uh, we saw from Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And I pray that we would see that he uh, calms the seas. Remember, they were flat. It was instantaneous. It was not a gradual dying down of the winds, but it was instantaneous. Everything. It was a... Uh, an incredible miracle that they witnessed here. And he can calm the storms in your life. Uh, He is powerful, powerful to do that. Also, we see that uh, he calms this wild man and sets him free as well. He brought peace into this man's life who was filled with demons. So there is nothing that's too great for him. You might say, well, you just don't understand. Uh, I don't have a demon, but boy, this thing that I'm going through, it's as... No, he can do that. He can, he can work in you and give you peace and, and calmness in the midst of any storm. Because if he can't, he's not God. There's nothing impossible with the Lord. And we're going to see that as we go through Mark. And we're going to see that in our own lives as well. By the way, there are real demon-possessed people throughout this world. Not so much maybe in this country. We don't see it openly like you would in in other countries. But uh, there are. The only time I ever ran into a demon that I'm sure was a demon was in 1970. In Columbia, South Carolina, we were witnessing to the uh, soldiers <clears throat> in Fort Jackson there as they'd come into town, and we'd invite them up to the servicemen center to talk to them about Christ. And well, there was this one man loping down the, the, the street there, and I just held up the track with a cross on it, had Jesus saves, and, and I'll remember what I said to him, but I know he screamed out in this bloody, murderous voice just I mean it just gave chills all over me turned around and ran the other direction now that man had a demon I'm I'm absolutely sure he had a demon and uh, but uh, so they're real they're real and uh, also see here that nothing Jesus did was by accident Nothing he did in his life was by accident. He knew this storm was gonna was gonna come, and uh, he knew that he was in the sovereign plan of God, and uh, he had a divine appointment 
with this man. So there's no chance happenings in your life. You've got to understand there's no such thing as chance. Just put that, whether it's a good chance, no, no, there's no such thing as a good chance. Uh, We're in the sovereign plan of God, and uh, he's watching over us, and uh, we need to trust him, whatever it comes about. We, we see this man before Jesus delivers him. It's a picture of a man uh, bound in chains, bound in sin, like all mankind who are without Christ. It's a very sad case, very sad case that we see here. And uh, he couldn't free himself. These demons were in control. He had a horrible condition, an unclean spirit, in the Greek, that means a, a source of evil and moral filth is the actual meaning of that. And he had that. And uh, this demon controlled him. Luke 8.29 says that he had been driven into the desert by the demon. He lived in the tombs. And we can read that in all three accounts of Matthew, Luke, and, and Mark. And uh, he had no house to live in. He uh, lived in these, in these caves where there were these tombs. Here's a man who loved darkness. And of course the caves were very dark. Uh, and there was death and decay all around this man. This identified him. And of course that's what sin does. Sin is death and decay. There's nothing good about sin. We need to hate sin. We need to hate what sin does not only to us, but what sin does to other people as well. I mean, hate it. It's an it's a awful, terrible, terrible thing sin is. And we need, to, we need to hate it. And yet, this man was right in the middle of it and could not get out of it. He went without clothes, it says in Luke 8.27. Uh, there was no modesty anymore with this man. He was completely naked. And that means completely, by the way. He didn't have a underclothes or anything. He was naked. Okay? That's the idea. No one could bind him. Luke 8, 29 tells us that. Uh, because of his strength. And so they just left the man alone. I probably would have done the same thing. Uh, um, I'm sure he was very frightening to be around. He was continually restless. The Greek means wailing loudly. Day and night. That's found in Mark verse 5. He was uh, a very scary man. Probably even to see. And he had these hideous cries. that he. And I'm sure when he, you could hear him screaming, it would, have, it would have just made you feel creepy all over. So this is the desperate situation that we find here. And, uh, and of course, every person who is without Christ is in a desperate situation. And let us never forget that. And in Matthew 10, 28, he was destructive towards others. And that no, he was so violent that no one would even pass that way, we're told. And of course, this is a picture of what sin is like. And so I want to kind of parallel this so that we might understand the awfulness of sin. 
and what sin does. We see that all lost people are of their father, the devil. There's a, there was a glitch in copying this, and so uh, I'm not sure this works. But anyway, John 8.44 says, Ye are the, of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. And uh, here it is. Uh, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of liars. And so lost people are of their father, the devil. They're lost. They're in a lost, just like this demoniac. They're uh, in, in uh, they're lost. And um, they're born in sin. They're born as slaves of sin. John 8, 34 says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is what? You're a slave of sin. If you practice sin, you're a slave of sin. And that's what lost people are. They're slaves to it. And uh, it's a sad plight. In uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, uh, we find that Satan is in control of those who are lost. And you were dead, and you're, notice, dead. Death was all around this demoniac. Dead people in the tombs. Death was all around. You're dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of course, Satan, and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Not a very pretty picture, is it? And yet that's what we were uh, before we become believers. And so... Those in darkness love darkness. We know that as well from John 3.19. This is the judgment that light, Christ, has come into the world. And men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. What did they say about Jesus that we just got? Get out of here. Leave us alone. Just leave. Do we do that? We say, Lord, I'm just not going to do that. I know uh, I should, but Lord, just leave me alone. This was their lifestyle. They loved dark places. Have you ever gone into a place and you turn on the light? And I've used this illustration before. I had an apartment one time. It was pretty, pretty sad. But you turn on the light and there were like a thousand roaches. I mean, it was like more roaches than you thought were in all the world. But you know what? They were, in just a few seconds, they had all run and hidden. They did not like the light. They went into the, into the dark places. And, uh, and so <clears throat> we find that sin is like that sin... Uh, Likes the dark places. You may recall uh, 
uh, many bars, especially these places on the side of the road, if you go in there, you know, you, you can't even see they had that place so darkness, uh, so dark, because sin uh, loves darkness, and uh, sin always destroys. Sin has consequences. It breaks up families. It breaks up churches. It destroys relationships. And then we see sin produces uh, immodesty of life. Uh, In this man, it produced nudity. One of the uh, things that really struck me when they had the the college championship, I don't know if you noticed this, but the woman that sang the national anthem needed some clothes on her. That's sad that they would even allow that on national television to sing the national anthem halfway clad. And that's the way this demon-possessed man was. He was nude. Sin controlled him. You know, people like that will say, uh, you know, no one will tell me what to do. That's their philosophy of life. No one's going to tell me what to do. God ain't going to tell me what to do. Other people aren't going to tell I'm just going to uh, do as I want to. Society may even have laws, but I'm not going to follow them. So that's what these people are like. And it's sad. They're slaves of sin. Uh, we find that the wicked are restless. The wicked are restless. Now, we could say that about this demoniac very easily, couldn't we? I mean, you could see there was no peace in this man's life. It was, it was uh, uh, a total restlessness, crying out, running about uh, that he was going through. But what does the scripture say about there is no peace for the wicked, Isaiah 48, 22. There is how much peace? No peace for the wicked says the Lord, says the Lord. There's no peace with the wicked. They're always looking for something more to make them happy, to bring them peace. And they need Christ, the Prince of Peace. Also, they usually don't like quietness. Noise, noise, noise is all they understand. Have you ever visited somebody and they have a TV going so loud you can't even carry on a conversation and they won't turn it down? See, that's someone who loves noise. Because why? They really don't like being with themselves. They don't like, uh, be still and know that I am the Lord. And so we just need to get away sometimes and be quiet before the Lord and listen to the Lord. But those people don't. They want noise all the time. Something going on. And uh, we need to be uh, aware of that. Sin is also self-abusive and self-destructive. Satan says, just enjoy yourself. Just abuse yourself. Just do it. Of course, the Bible teaches moderation in all things. Not to harm yourselves. But we find people abuse everything, don't they? They abuse everything. You know, I think God has given us everything to enjoy, unless it's illegal. 
you know, you don't take cocaine because that's illegal. Uh, but uh, God has given us everything for our enjoyment, but not to be abused. You see, it's the abuse of things that, that becomes the problem. Uh, gambling in this country uh, has just gotten rampant. I mean, I just can't believe that these people in Florida were standing in long lines to buy a ticket when it's one in 292 million chances that they would win. Do you realize how insane that is? That's like taking money and just throw it in the garbage can. One in 292 million. And yet there they are standing in line. Something for nothing. Uh, and what's sad, if, I mean, I'm not saying if you went by and bought a ticket, okay. But a lot of these people spend their whole paycheck on it. Hundreds of dollars they lay down at $2 a pop. And then most of them, after they win it, it destroys their life if you, if you study those. I saw a program on TV. Uh, alcohol, food, drugs, anything. The abuse of that. And, uh, but what about, you know, it's easy to point a finger there, but what about envy? What about greed? Uh, what about our tempers? Now gone to meddling. Because these are things that God hates too. Are you full of bitterness? Full of bitterness over something? Just bitter, bitter, bitter? It's not pleasing to God. And uh, it will destroy the person that holds it. I had a student, and I've used this before, he, he had such a violent temper that I told him one day, unless the Lord got, got hold of his heart and changed him, that that temp, temper would kill him. Because he'd stand up and scream at me and threaten to beat me up. And of course, I, I would have to go and, and paddle him. He was in the eighth grade, about this big. And, uh, but he would just blow up and, and lose his temper. And I said... That sin, and that sin is going to destroy you unless God gets, uh, gives you uh, control over that. Well, it turns out that Craig got in a fight with his brother, picked up the knife to cut his brother, and his brother had to kill him, had to shoot him. You see, that temper uh, really, really did destroy him. And so sin is not something to be played with. Uh, if you're struggling with something like bitterness or temper or whatever it happens to be, I just, I just plead with you, lay it at Jesus' feet. Give it to him. Matter of fact, you can even, somebody said, to write on the piece of paper and then as you pray, God, take this from me, tear it up and throw it in a garbage can. I'm not saying that that will be the end of it, but you might try that as you pray just to, to visualize that. And uh, what was this man's reaction to Christ? What was this man's reaction to Christ? I think we see a real struggle in the man versus the demon. It says that the man runs and bows down in verse 7. And the demon then cries out, Son of the Most High God, you know, demons know who Jesus is. They know who he is. They don't worship him, but they know who he is. Son of the Most High 
God. We see another reaction. Uh, all they were concerned, the demons, only thing they were concerned about is themselves. In Matthew it says, have you come to torture us before the appointed time? And in Mark, I implore you, do not torment us. And then Jesus asks a question, what is your name? He says, they say, legion, for we are many. A legion in the Roman army was about 6,000 men. Now I'm not saying that this man had 6,000 demons, but could be. Uh, And of course we learn from scripture there are degrees of demon possession. Mary Magdalene had seven demons uh, compared to this uh, Compared to this man, that wasn't probably too bad, but uh, you don't want to have any demons, I assure you. And uh, by the way, if you suspect somebody of, of demon possession that has a demon, be very careful before you get into that situation because you need to be, uh, uh, you, know, you need to know what you, you need to know somewhat about what you're doing. And uh, I'm not saying don't confront that, I'm just saying be prepared uh, to have a real battle on your hands if that person really is demon-possessed. And, and uh, uh, probably the best thing to, would, would be to say, come out in Jesus' name. Uh, plead the blood of Christ. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know. I've never dealt with someone in that. I, I have friends who have. And uh, it can be a very scary situation. And so we, we learn there's a powerful force here, a powerful force. And a, an army had taken this man over. And uh, they, they plead for Jesus to do something, and then they plead for Jesus not to do something. And in Luke 8, 31, it says, uh, please do not uh, send us into the abyss, into torture, into captivity. But he says... Send us into the pigs. In verse 12. What are pigs a symbol of in the Bible? Unclean. Yeah. Send us into the pigs. This a symbol of gross uncleanness. This is what pigs were looked at. Why would they want to go into the pigs? Why would they want to go into the pigs? We find there were 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of pigs. He says, send us into the pigs. Why? I think they wanted uh, to stir up the people against Jesus. That's just an opinion. It doesn't say that. But I think that's what's going on here. And verse 13, Jesus gives permission. And uh, he says, go in, in Matthew with authority, he says, go. And uh, when Jesus tells for something to happen, it happens. Because he speaks with authority. And one day he will come again and uh, he will speak with authority as well. And uh, no one uh, will be able to withstand him. And uh, let me just say this too. Don't be afraid of demons. Okay? Uh, I mentioned demon possession and all, but don't be afraid of demons in this sense. God is in control of demons. God is in control of demons, and they do not have free reign to do whatever they want to do. 
And uh, uh, Romans 8.28, remember, says, All things are working together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. So don't be, a, don't be fearful of them as though they can hurt you. If uh, Greater is He that is in us, that is the Spirit, Christ Himself, than he that is in the world. And so a demon cannot possess uh, a Christian. I don't believe that's the, the teaching of scriptures. But demons are very destructive. They hate God's creation. Matter of fact, one of the names for Satan is Apollyon, which means destroyer. Isn't it interesting? They wanted to destroy these pigs. You know, they could have just said, well, send us out into the desert or something. But no, into the pigs. And what do they do? The, run the pigs right off the cliff. And the, and the pigs are destroyed. Very interesting uh, story, I, I think. But uh, it, it shows that sin will destroy you if you play with it. Sin will destroy you if you hang on to it, if you play with it, uh, if you do not deal with it, it'll destroy you. It'll eat your lunch. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about things like envy and bitterness and hatred. These things that, that uh, you know, we, we don't tend to think's part of, think is part of us. You know, you look at uh, physical things, but inwardly, inwardly, are we dealing with that thing? You know, because you can, you can have this little pet poisonous snake, uh, a little a little rattler, and you can say, this is my pet. And you, you keep it in your pocket, and then you just pull it out and, and you just admire it and look at it. What's going to happen? It's going to bite you. And not a lot of people deal with sin like that. Well, this is not a big sin. It's just a, it's just a little bitty ground rattler. It'll bite you. It'll bite you. You better believe that. Also, the liberals like to attack this, and, and so be ready to deal with liberals. Uh, they would say Jesus wasn't ethical here. Uh, they, uh, he let uh, these demons to destroy someone else's property. How do you answer that? He gave permission, but he personally himself did not do it. I mean, if you, you know, why did, why did God create the world and then allow Adam and Eve to sin? You see, these things are in the mind of God, uh, but he did not make Adam and Eve sin. They sinned, they had a free will. They had a choice in the garden, and they chose to do that. Now, I'm not, I don't have the mind of God, and so I can't understand all of that. He gives them permission, but he does not actually himself uh, force them to do that. And, uh, uh, and by the way, who owns the pigs anyway? Who owns these pigs? He does. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the scripture. They're all his. And so you better be careful about telling God what he can and cannot do. You better be careful about telling God what you don't like in your life. Because he's brought that into your life for a purpose. I have people tell me that. 
I just don't under, I, I don't understand why God's allowing this in my life and why this has happened to me. Oh, oh, oh. And I said, well, for one thing, he's showing me right now that you are letting it destroy you. You're not dealing with it. You're not, you're not uh, confessing your sin of not believing him that he's in control of this in your life. Because all things are working together for good to those that love the Lord. Uh, and also, I think, thirdly, he was teaching these owners that this one man was more important than 2,000 pigs. One soul is more important than everything in the world. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? This is what Jesus, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that you see this happen and then you find fault. Think how amazing that is. You know, uh, only man is made in the image of God. These are pigs. And we have PETA today. I hope I don't step up, hurt, hurt anybody's feelings here, but people for the ethical treatment of animals. I don't believe in abusing animals, okay? But why did God give us animals? Most animals, a lot of animals to eat. It's okay to eat a cow. It's okay to eat chicken. They do not have a soul. They do not have a soul. We're made in the image of God. And so uh, how important was this one soul that will spend eternity somewhere compared to 2,000 pigs? There's no comparison. No comparison at all. And uh, how, uh, how about us as we witness to people? Are we, are we uh, desirous to see other people come to know Christ? You know, if I'd have been there, I would have hoped I'd have said something like that. You know, I have a cousin that needs this man. He needs to be delivered. And by golly, I'm going to run home and get my cousin so he can, so he can come to Jesus. And yet, what do we find these people doing? Get out of here. You're causing a problem. Instead of saying, wow, we have the King of kings and Lord of lords in our midst. Everyone needs this, this, uh, this man. They can be healed. They can be delivered. I'm running home and getting my brother or sister or cousin or friend who needs to be delivered. And yet their heart was far from uh, serving God at this point. It was all about them. It was all about their pigs. It was all about their stuff. May that speak to our hearts as well. And then we find in Luke 8, 29, Jesus commanded the unclean spirit to leave. He commanded. You know, Jesus has power to set you free from anything. He has power to set you free from anything. Now you might say, no, you don't understand. My problem is so big, I just can't be set free from it. That's a lie from, from the pit of hell. Because I personally have been delivered from things that I've struggled with all my life and they're now gone. 
I did not do that. It was Christ in me. It was confessing. It was laying him at Jesus' feet, and he took him away, just like he did with this uh, demoniac. A real change took place in this man. He was set free. Notice the differences in this man, and these all begin with C, if you want to write them down. First one, there's a real change that took place. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There was a great change that took place. Also, there was a real calmness that took place in this man. In verse 15, it says that he was sitting down, where before he was just running everywhere and, and causing problems. Not only that, in verse 15, he was clothed. He was no longer nude. By the way, Nudity is wrong. Whatever form, nudity, uh, pornography is not of God. Uh, never go to a nudist beach, a nudist camp, what have you. It's wrong. It's, it's just, just that simple. And so, this man was clothed. We need to be clothed as well. What do we need to be clothed in? Christ's righteousness. Turn to Romans chapter, chapter 5. This verse is not up on the... Uh, there was a little mess up in a glitch. So in verse 18 of Romans 5, 5, 18, So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, that's Adam, Even so, through the act of righteousness, that's of Christ, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, that's Adam, the many were made sinners, even so through the the obedience of the one, that's Christ, the many will be made righteous. So here again we see we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ by faith, by trusting him. Adam's disobedience uh, plunged all of mankind into into, uh, oblivion, into sin, into uh, fallenness, into uh, bondage. And yet, in Christ, when we accept Christ, Christ takes our sin. And what does He give us back? His perfect righteousness. Now that is what you call grace. That's grace. He takes our sin and gives us his perfect righteousness. And so we're now clothed in that perfect righteousness of Christ. And that's the only plea that we can plead before God. Is the blood of Christ. The righteousness of Christ. That, that cleanses us from all sin. First John. First uh, uh, John 1. This, this didn't make it as well. First John 1 uh, in verse 9 it says. And most of us know this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all, all, all unrighteousness. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This man uh, uh, was now clothed in his right mind. he was. Uh, he had now self-control, a clear mind. He was cleansed. He was 
Not only that, he was clinging to Jesus. He was sitting at his feet. He was sitting at his feet. People say, well, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. Okay, well, great. Uh-huh. Are you coming to church? Well, no, no. Are you, are, you, are you clinging to Jesus? Are you sitting at his feet? Are you learning from God's word? Well, no, no. But you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't think so, you say. No, this man was changed. He was sitting at Jesus' feet. Let me ask you, are you sitting at Jesus' feet? Are you sitting at his feet? Saying, help me, help me, help me. I'm a poor, miserable sinner who needs to be changed. This man loved him. Why? Because he had been delivered from so much. Does that ring a bell in your mind? You have been delivered from so much. You may not realize that. You may have been raised in a home where there was nothing but bliss and and Christian parents but this man was demon-possessed and cutting himself, doing all sorts of awful, horrible things. He had been forgiven much, and now what? He loves much. But I want to tell you, if your sin's forgiven this morning, if you're in Christ, if you're His child, if you've been born again, you have been forgiven much. I want you to see that. And be changed by that. Believe that. Believe that. He'll change your life. And then Jesus tells this man to do something. Remember the man wanted to to go with Christ. That's something else. Uh, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. A lot of people say, well, yeah, I want Jesus, but I'm not going to follow him. Wrong. You can't do that. There is a following that comes from trusting. If you're saying, well, I'm trusting him, but I'm not following him, that's a contradiction. You cannot do that. It's impossible. So what does this man do? Jesus says, no, you can't come with me, but go tell it to the town. Go tell what Jesus has done in your life. Are we doing that? Are we telling other people what Jesus has done for us? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3. You, that is speaking to the believers, you are our letter written in our hearts, known and what? Read by all men. See, people are looking at your life. Are you genuine? Are you just... uh, uh, Is it just in your head or is it changed your life? being manifested that you are a letter of Christ cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Has God changed your heart? Has He given you a love for Jesus? Do you love Him with all your heart, soul, and mind? Uh, I feel so often I fall short. Because I don't keep my eyes on him. I don't fix my eyes upon him. Uh, This man was changed. Let's pray. Lord, change my heart. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May it be like you. Let's pray. 
Father, this, this morning, uh, what a joy it is to, to know that we serve a God who changes, uh, changes from, from bad to good, uh, that gives us a new heart. Uh, Lord, may we be like this former demon-possessed man who was changed in every way and followed Christ and went back to his town and witnessed to the people there. Lord, you're a powerful God who really does change people, and you're still changing me. Continue to do so, Lord, uh, because we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.